Hello, everybody. It's here, Lance Russell, along with Dave Brown. We've got something a little bit different for you today. Ah, just fucking with you. It's just me, Bobby Blaze. Welcome back to the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. We're going to have something a little bit different for you this week. Um, the professor is not going to be here, so it's just going to be me. Um, he's down with the COVID. Sorry to hear about that. Let's wish him a speedy recovery from this wicked disease that's out there right now. So with that said, uh, we'll get the podcast started. We're doing Jerry the King Lawler this week. Uh, we did uh, Jimmy Hart, and then we did Memphis, and now we're doing Jerry Lawler. As you can kind of see, this way our season's going. Um, this is just going to be called um, Jerry the King Lawler, and I'm going to be doing it by myself, as said, and I'm just going to go by uh, some notes I've written up throughout the week, and hopefully in a couple of days the professor will feel good enough or well enough to uh, maybe edit this down or add some background to it or maybe even give me an introduction. Who knows? Um, so Jerry Lawler, you know, Jerry the King Lawler, let's get that out of the way right away. He is the king um, of professional wrestling, as we know. There have been many other people uh, that did the king gimmick, but no one's been the actual king of professional wrestling. Uh, back when they had the King Haku, they did that, um, you know, and then, that was just a Vince thing and King Harley race, you know. Uh, but we're going to go with the original King here, Jerry the King Lawler. Um, he had more titles than anyone. If the professor was here, I'm sure he could tell you exactly every fucking title that the guy held. But it's 168 titles that uh, we know for sure he's held. I'm going to talk about a couple of specifically here in a minute. Uh, we know that Bobby Shane gave him his first um, uh, crown. He, Jerry Lawler used to be a disc jockey, and he'd promote shows on the air. Um, he would draw, he was, did, he's a really good artist, if you don't know that. He would draw, um, send, draw some, uh, what you call the damn things, uh, characters, if you will, of the matches he'd go to on, on that night in Memphis, and then he'd send him in, he'd go home and draw what he saw that night um, in characters. And um, then he would mail those into the TV station, hoping to get some publicity off of that. He caught the eye of promoter Aubrey Griffith, along with Lance Russell and a stop star at the time, uh, Jackie Fargo, and uh, that would become Lawler's uh, trainer and mentor. He broke into the business in 1970. Like I said, he's working as a DJ, and he promotes some of the uh, shows on the air in exchange for the wrestling lessons. Um, in 1974, on July 24th, he beat Fargo to become the king of wrestling. So there's a little bit of background history. And some of this I'm not going to get right. And some of it, a lot of it I'm going to get right. And a lot of it I'm just going to be talking to you about um, some of the reason that Jerry the King Lawler is over and over with me. Um, you know, I grew up watching Memphis wrestling. We discussed that the last couple of weeks while we've been down in talking about Jimmy Hart and talking about the uh, Memphis wrestling TV. Of course, the Tennessee territory uh, last week was covered as well, not just Memphis. Lawler, uh, man, he just, uh, growing up and growing up watching Memphis, he was a king. You know, it was, uh, you, I could put any match out there and they would put him on TV every week and, and every other week, you know, he'd be making an appearance uh, uh, on a TV and it's talking to people into the building. He had the gift for gab and he always ran those different angles with different people. So I'm going to be talking about some different things today. 
Um, one that got over with me is um, he has a, uh, I guess you'd call this number nine. I don't know. He owns a 1966 replica Batmobile. I found that fascinating. Um, it was built on a uh, early Corvette C4 chassis system with a Buick 350 uh, Sid VH engine in it. It's listed. If you want to buy it, folks, it's out there. Maybe uh, maybe Lawler will give me some kickback on this. I doubt it, cheap bastard. But anyway, um, it's $110,900 on Hemmings.com. Um, it's been signed by Adam West, Burt Ward, as well as the King and a few others. So if one of you uh, lucky fuckers buy that thing, uh, make sure you tell Lawler to, uh, to give old Bobby Blaze a little bit of kickback out of out for publicity, uh, getting the word out there about his Batmobile. Um, I wouldn't mind actually going for a ride in the thing. They said it's drivable. I wouldn't mind driving around town for a, maybe 10 minutes or so. That'd be enough to get my nut. Um, hell, I went to a car show in Baltimore probably in 1966 or 67, and um, I saw the Batmobile, I saw the, uh, the Munster Mobile, I got to see all those damn things, man, back in the day uh, when I was younger. I've, I've been to several car shows since then, too. Um, none like that first time, though, man, where they had all those 60 shows, the Monkey's car was there and all that, but uh, Lawler has a replica of it, and it's for sale if you both want to buy it, go ahead and buy the damn thing. Um, I don't care one way or the other. Uh, let's jump down here to number eight. Number eight, if you're keeping track at home. Um, I don't know why you would be. Fuck, I hardly ever do. But uh, anyway, it would be as an induction into the Hall of Fame. That's why I said that, because I hardly ever pay attention. I'm glad when the guys do get in this. is a good gimmick for the guys to make some extra money and get an extra payoff and be remembered um, on the WWE there, on the network through the years. But uh, he was inducted in 2007. Um, and overall, Lawler has held more championships than any other current WWE employee, though he's never won any double WWE singles and or tag team championships since joining the company. So there you go. It's one of those things where the guys never even worked for the company um, and still getting all Hall of Fame. Like I said, good for them. They do get the publicity. Um, and like I said, get a payoff and, and a person inducts them into the Hall of Fame, they get a payoff as well. So, you know, uh, going on here, and I'm going kind of fast here. I'll come back and add some stories and this and that and that and this. Number seven, man, he's a great ring commentator. He has a gift for gab, and of course, he had a quick wit and a sharp tongue. And he announced during the uh, WWE Raw Attitude Era and SmackDown as well, and he's done both of those for over 25 years. I think that's pretty damn impressive too, man. Um, you know, he was always a good talker. Like I said earlier, he was talking him into the building and, and um, just one of those things that uh, takes a few things to make a good professional wrestler. And I know when Lawler, you know, king of all Memphis, he had to talk people in and talk to, you know, with promoter Jerry Jarrett and him and they bring in these big names and run their angles there. And he was able to talk good. Um, you know, won't say he was greatest wrestler, wrestler, like if it come down to, you know, uh, arm drag takedowns or just taking a man off his feet or something like that. But as far as a wrestler, he's one of the greatest ever because of the, the showmanship part. You know, he's on a scale of 100 over on that thing, man. He That showmanship, again, the talking and the showmanship part of wrestling that you need to get over. He had that, you know. Um, then his body, you know, not overly huge, definitely not small, uh, but he used it well and to his advantage, you know, and that's um, 
that's one of the things about Lawler. He stayed in pretty good shape throughout his entire career. Although, um, you know, hell, <laughs> he survived Eddie Gilbert running over him with the car. Uh, he survived a broken leg by Jerry Cahoot playing touch football. Uh, hell, he even survived a heart attack in a ring. Um, you know, so he's a tough old son of a gun, man. He's one of them guys. Uh, to my knowledge, he don't drink or, or smoke or anything like that. I've always heard he's a teetotaler, and so that's probably a good part of his uh, his healthy lifestyle. Probably helped save his life when he did have a heart attack. Um, I don't know how the hell he got in the way of that car, but he uh, Gilbert trying to run over him. But anyway, um, that's some of the things that he survived, and, and I'm sure he had a lot more in-ring serious uh accidents take place but nonetheless man he would talk him into the building so he had to gift for gab good body not great wasn't over muscle head he wasn't skinny you know he just had a good body and a showmanship part of wrestling he just had it down that that's the ingredients that it took to make Lawler such a uh a, a good champion uh some of those titles we're going to talk about man um i'll make this one here we'll say number six um on uh may 9th 1988 um, he defeated Kurt Henning to become the AWA uh, champion. When we watched him, when I watched him, I was younger, it was always at um, the American Wrestling Association Southern Heavyweight uh, Champion. He had won that over 17 times. Uh, he won it over 50 times. I correct myself. He won that title over 50 times, and he had another, he had it another 17 uh, times when the National Wrestling Alliance controlled it. So he he was doing good business, and that was the main title that I always remember him having. Of course, I was really stoked and, and excited for him when he won the um, the AWA championship, you know. Um, and I mind, if you can go back and look at these matches, I was thinking, oh, man, he beat um, – uh, Bachwinkle, but it wasn't Bachwinkle. It was a uh, it was Kurt Henning, and then that was again that was in May, and then on um, December the fifteenth of that same year, nineteen eighty eight, uh, he beat Kerry Von Erich um, to become. Um, so they unified the uh, AWA title with the WCCW title. I'm sure if the professor was here, get your ass well, professor. He could tell you in more in detail how these titles, you know, because I think um, uh, Vern had something to do with coming down and, and getting involved and getting out of it or whatever the um, WCCW. But anyway, Lawler became the um, uh, AWA champion. I really popped for that. I always thought he could be a world champion. I didn't think that he would ever um, – I know he fought NWA. I know he fought um, uh, Flair a couple times. I know he fought um, Terry Funk several times. That's who I was trying to say. Uh, Bachwinkle, um, Martell, all these guys. And I'll tell you what, if you want, you can go look up any of these matches. Uh, uh, from 1981, watches, uh, well, I was getting, I was NWA, WWF, or WWE at the time, and AWA. I knew he could have been a champion in one of those. I didn't know that he would be in an NWA champion, but I could see him in that AWA role, and that's the one that he won. Uh, what I was going to say is, if you go back to, think, 81, the very first uh, Terry Funk match he had with them, not since the first time to wrestle each other, but the first five-star match took place between Funk and Lawler. That's available on YouTube. I think there's two different sets of audio out there. Um, one's got a little bit better audio than the other. Um, you can watch that. That's really good. There's a flare match that took place in the studio I think it only went 10 minutes, and I think Flair asked for like an extra five minutes, but he left the ring after a couple minutes, so he made it like 12 minutes on TV. They also, I think it was 2003 or 2004, uh, Flair and um, 
Lawler both wrestled each other on, on a night uh, on, a, on an edition of Raw. Um, you can look that up too. It's pretty good. I've watched it um, a couple months back. Uh, again, you can look up any of these um, matches and, and re- enjoy them. Is what I was going to say. Um, one of my favorite things is the one party race, and they put that um, uh, song behind it. I'm trying to think of the damn song. Uh, Spencer Davis group, I think, who does it. I'm a man or something. And uh, it's just a video of highlights of them who just bumping their asses off, punching, selling, flipping. I mean, it's it's got everything you want in a in a match. Um, it does. It's about ten minutes, I think, inside of a video. Like I said, it's um, uh, uh, it's just really good. It just whoever put the video together, man, done a really good job because they took it. Um, Took all the great bumps in there. It took a lot of great falls, uh, kickouts, and things like that. Uh, one thing I was going to say in there too is uh, uh, when a strap comes down, this should be its own category right here. When a strap comes down, someone is going to get their ass kicked, their ass beat, um, or something's going to happen really good. When he he pulls that strap down, man, someone's in trouble, man. Uh, you know that when he pops that strap down. Um, and I'm just rattling on here, man. I guess I can go on forever. Um, talk about the next one would be uh, Jerry the King Lawler takes on Andy Kaufman in her iconic match at the Mid-South Coliseum on April 5th, 1982. If you listen to the last two weeks, I'm not going to be redundant about that. But, you know, uh, Andy Kaufman was a big TV star on a, on a hit show called Taxi. And um, he was an intergender uh, champion. He'd whip women and, 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 and fight women and pin them and stuff. And, and in doing so, he claimed, you know, he could whip anyone. And he didn't believe any of that phony wrestling stuff and this and that. And, of course, Jerry Lawler stepped up to be a real man and put him through his paces. Um, and they ended up drawing, you know, big business. Uh, it, they went to New York on a, a Dave Letterman show and, um, you know, just – Put, put Memphis on a map nationally as if people didn't, if you wasn't a hardcore wrestling fan, um, you soon knew a lot about the Memphis wrestling from that angle it took place. He gave uh, Eddie Kaufman two pile drivers, uh, very stiff looking, but his worked, you know, and of course they made a movie out of it, The Man on the Moon, and um, I think Lawler's been in a couple other movies too, but I just wanted to put that out there to you. Um, sorry if my voice has found, sound a little bit rough, I'm used to someone at least interrupting me or saying something. That's just me drinking some water. Um, if it was early in the day, I'd probably switch the beer, to be honest with you. But I, I hold off to the evening for having any beer. Um, Got to watch that, you know. So um, I'm just going down a list here, just some different things, some different ideas, some talking points. Um, the uh, The funny thing about it was on Memphis Wrestling that you could always appreciate they had two 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 great announcers. You had Lance Russell and Dave Brown. Now Lance Russell, we did our about a year ago or so. We did our top ten announcers, and um, we had number one Lance Russell, of course, because most of our audience um, voted for that. But it was real close. It could have been Gordon Soley, and, and anyone can argue over both of those points, and that's really cool if you do. Um, I respect both your opinion, anyone's opinion as to of those two being the greatest announcement of all time but 
the uh, the feud that played back and forth between Lance Russell and Jerry Lawler were kind of like the Howard Cosell and the uh, Muhammad Ali of the Memphis sports. So that was always pretty cool because they was always talking to each other, but they always put each other down. And one dressed as the other, and other dressed as the. I mean, there's all kinds of. There's great footage. I think it's from Memphis Heat. Lawler is just sitting with Lance on a park bench uh, or outside the building area. And they're just talking about the old TV shows and, and Memphis itself and, of course, the Memphis wrestling. Um, there's some gig, gigs and gags in there. It's just funny as hell uh, that they do between uh, back and forth. Um, I'm going to put this number four, probably the ongoing feud between superstar Bill Dundee and the king, Jerry Lawler. Um, them two just went back and forth. Out. Who traded face to heel more? I don't have any idea, man. Um, but like I said, any when I listen to these matches, um, I tell you, give them to go back and watch is, is watch the Eddie Gilbert match. That's a pretty good one. Uh, Dutch Mantel, um, like I said, couple Bach Winkle matches on there. Uh, Briscoe is who I think of NWA. Thank you. I knew he'd wrestle someone beside Flair and Funk uh, in NWA. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a man uh, by Spencer Davis Group. That was that uh, video I was talking about. But back to the Lawler-Dundee thing, um, you could just about pick any Lawler-Dundee match. You know it's going to be good. There's a couple of them that's got video footage behind them and a couple of them that um, just, uh, you know, just the regular matches from Mid-South Coliseum as recorded and they put on. Uh, of course, like I said, I mentioned earlier the Funk match, um, but that also led to the empty arena match. And we done my top 10 favorite matches of all times and that's that that top that's in my top 10 i really re- recall when that happened i really loved that match when when funk come out there and they yell and they cussing and lance is just in there smoking a cigarette on the air and funk say you know lawler the chicken he won't come out and this and that and then here's this empty arena mid-south coliseum and here comes lawler in all white which was great because you know gonna get juice and gig and this and that and uh, he's got his crown, and they go at it, man, and they go at it, and, um, you know, my, 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 Lance, get a doctor. Get a doctor in here, you know. Uh, Funk goes after Lawler with a piece of wood off the steps, and as he goes down a hit it, Lawler kicks his knee up, and it hits, backfires, and hits Terry Funk in the eye and damn near blinds him. Um, I think Terry had to go off to Japan for about three weeks, so it kind of interrupted that that rain, but or, or that run rather for that for what they built up for, but still nonetheless it worked. Um, pretty pretty good stuff, man. Um, uh, I'm just going through some notes here, just kind of give me some starting points here. Um, well, really, you know, great showmanship and great talker. Uh, those things were, were good. I don't know how long I've been talking. It's probably been about twenty or thirty minutes. You're not going to get a a full full podcast this week. I just wanted to make sure we turned something in. Um, maybe Professor and I can go back over uh, when he's feeling better. Um, you know, we can go back over and do another do Lawler better justice than I did on this one here. Maybe not. But I got a couple of things I want to mention to you, and uh, I'm going to tell you a story because I've had some personal history with Jerry Lawler. So uh, if you'll hang on one second, I'll get to that because I'm going to get a drink of water here. <clears throat> Give me a second. And um, so uh, just to let you know, I got a couple books out there. My first book is Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boostable Travel. 
If you'll use tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, there's a shortcut on Amazon. I'll take you to it. The show will get a little bit of kickback out of it. Um, in that book there, I tell the whole run about me, myself, going against Jerry the King Lawler uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, so I'm going to come back to that story in just one second. The second book I have is called I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. If you want to, you can get these off Amazon. The shortcut to that one is um, tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. I also have a couple of other two short stories. Uh, Yard Time, about running a prison show uh, at a federal prison. Uh, that, that runs as a short story, but it also inside of the Yard Time is also located inside the uh, I Kicked Out on Two book. I've got a uh, Christmas is coming up. If you hear this before Christmas, um, do yourself a favor. I got a little ebook. It's called Seasons Effing Greetings. And it's just a really hilarious story about a real life trip between my brother, my cousin, and one of my aunts, or my aunts, as you'll say. And um, we took a trip from the hills of Kentucky to uh, the big city of Baltimore back in uh, 1983 to do some shopping for the family Christmas that year. It's really one of the highlights of my all my Christmases, probably a really funny little humorous story. Um, I was in college at the time, you know, and uh, uh, my brother was like a freshman or sophomore in high school my cousin was in between us and we just get into a hell of a lot of trouble and have a lot of good fun doing so i've got another book man if you're into this kind of stuff it's uh xxx is a erotica uh romance where uh it's called megan hot wife on the dl um i really like that book a lot it's just a um, not based on any true characters i'm just trying to just get something of a different genre on my Amazon page, and uh, those paperback or excuse me, those ebooks are only two ninety nine each. But again, if you want, I kicked out on two the Education Wrestler. That is at tinyurlcom slash book two. And my first book, Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots for Travel, is at tinyurlcom book one. Now, if you stuck with me this long, I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to tell you a story and so just, you know, just listen up to story time here. And this is pretty much the story that's in, um, um, pin me, pay me. And that is when I was working for Smoky Mountain Wrestling, I want to say one of the greatest things about this, uh, match with, with, uh, Jerry, the King Lawler, because the show is really supposed to be about him today. And I'll make this a little bit about myself because everyone's telling me I need to put myself over more on a podcast. But uh, I'm going to put my brother Jim over today on this podcast, too, because at the time he was living in, uh, we had lived together down in Florida when I was still training some, and I was, I was traveling quite a bit, and I was wrestling, so I was based out of Tampa, and him and I had an apartment together, it was mostly his, and um, and uh, he let me kind enough to, to put up with me and let me stay there, so I had a place to train, and, and, and we'd go to the gym together in the mornings, uh, he used to go to Malenko's with me sometimes. Uh, just all kinds of fun times, you know, living our best life, if you will. At the time, though, he was living way down in Miami, Florida, and he came all the way from Miami, Florida to Knoxville, Tennessee, to see me wrestle against Jerry the King Lawler. The other good thing was, that I recall, is um, my mother was still alive at the time, and I got to take her from, from Ashland here in town and, and drove her so she could see... Um, her uh, other son, my brother, and uh, and get to see me wrestle, of course. And so what was funny was 
the the night before, I had double booked myself. Um, I had known for weeks. Uh, let me back up a second. I had known for several weeks that Cornette was going to put the title on me. I was leaving town one Friday afternoon, and I had to do some business up in West Virginia for um, in Huntington for a um, an event I was running up here, a wrestling event. I had to do some radio promos for it and get the posters out. So um, I had taken off and met the radio people. It was pretty much no cell phones in or anything, but I was coming back home, coming back through Ashland area to, to go to Knoxville. But in doing so, um, I decided to stop by my house for like maybe 20 or 30 minutes or so. Uh, just, I don't know what for, something just told me to stop. So I did. While I was home, this again, it was on a Friday, uh, Friday afternoon, um, and I was already going to be heading to Knoxville for a couple of days. Um, it was Jim Cornetto phone. He said, hey, Bobby, you know, we talked for a few minutes and we caught up on things. I'd been away from there for about three months at the time. He said, I got an idea I want to run by you. And uh, basically said, how do you feel about me putting a strap on you? You know, I'm thinking about putting a title on you. I like about passed. I was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me to myself? You know, I'm like, oh, Jimmy, I'm really interested, you know. And he goes, well, I'm working on a few things. And um, he asked me how I've been staying busy. And I had. And... Um, <clears throat> fact he was on another you know he was still in smoky mountain going to another town in tennessee and i was going to you know some outlaw mud show i'm sure down in tennessee and that's kind of the point of the story when i get the title too uh but anyway so I, I was like oh my god he said just don't say anything to anyone you know don't tell anyone and don't even mention it. i was like yeah no worries you know i'm not going to tell anyone you know um that's completely kayfabe with me uh no worries whatsoever man so uh, he said, if everything, he goes, I still run it by Lawler and stuff. He said, but uh, are you going to be home Monday night and uh, I'll call you back? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, I'll be home, man. Uh, no worries there. Um, so I went and done my Friday, Saturday towns down in, you know, probably Johnson, Tennessee and Kingsport, Tennessee or Bristol or somewhere down that area, Tri-Cities and, and, you know, made some pretty good money where I'd been on TV and stuff enough, you know, to, to make the bookies worth my while and things like that and come back home. Got a call from Cornell on Monday evening and he said, hey, I talked to Jerry over the weekend. It's a go. You know, everything's going to go. And he said, got this all worked out and kind of gave me an idea, gave me a blueprint to work with, if you, if you will. So I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I get to work with Jerry the King Lawler, man. That's cool. And um, so back to the weekend, um, I was supposed to go. So several weeks passed, of course. They kept me off TV. I go back to Smoky Mountain. Well, I took an independent booking where I had still been working under some uh, all the way to the night before um, the big Sunday, bloody Sunday show I was supposed to um, uh, be on. So... This guy on a Saturday night, like I said, it was say this is one of them outlaw mud shows, if you will. They've been paying me about two hundred dollars to come down once every couple of weeks and do a show for them, and they just had a little small group of guys, uh, and they would use guys off the of Smoky Mountain TV if they weren't booked. So I was, you know, making a couple extra hundred dollars, four hundred dollars a month or whatever if I went down there for them, and so um, the plan was my brother was going to drive up from Miami, and. Um, his in-laws at the time were going to drive down to Knoxville and see him. And then my mom and myself, were, we were going to leave Ashland and go down on a Friday. We all weren't going to meet, though, until a Saturday. But we were going to go down and go down a day early, and I was going to make some extra money, you know, before I had to do the show. What's funny was <laughs> that I don't know what the hell happened because, you know, it's one of those outlaw mud shows or whatever, some goof. 
you know, from, I don't know, uh, Mudlick, Tennessee or somewhere. He calls me and says, hey, Bobby, this is uh, whatever the fuck his name was. I don't know. If I knew it, I probably wouldn't tell you anyway because I'd want to embarrass the guy if he's still around. But uh, he, he just went off and started saying, man, I don't need you on this show this weekend. I'm not booking you. Um, I heard you work for someone else for like $150, but you're always charging me $200 or something like that, you know? And I'm like, well, that's what you offered me and that's what I took, you know, whatever it was. He nonetheless, the day before uh, I'm getting ready to win the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight title, this goofball calls me to tell me he can't use me or my services anymore, you know, over that $50 difference or whatever the fuck it was and whatever hair is up his ass or whatever. So <laughs> uh, my mom and I didn't have to leave a day early, which made it fine with me. Um, we just left on that Saturday and took our time and got to got to Knoxville and got to see my brother and, and, and we had a nice visit, nice dinner and all that, you know. And um, the funny thing was, and I'll come back to, to going to, to the match in just a second. The funny thing was, on after I won the match on Sunday, on Monday, this fucking goofball calls me back and starts apologizing. He had, he had been in a building, of course, and he saw me beat Jerry the King Lawler. He's like, hey, Bobby, this is so-and-so. He goes, man, if you if you want $250, i will pay you $250. I, I ain't worried about the $150, $200. i will pay you to come down here and do my matches. And just started going off and apologizing. I said, you know what? You just go fuck yourself. I said, well, you talk to me on Friday night on the phone. I said, I don't let people talk to me that way. And I said, plus, you know, I said, I don't want your extra fucking $250. I don't need it, which, you know, I could have always used it, but I was like, you know, go fuck yourself, buddy. And I'd still see him at the Smoky Mountain shows after that, but he had no idea on that Sunday I was going to win. And by God, he called on that Monday. Um, I do want to say, too, besides my brother um, coming up there to see me and my mom getting to watch me wrestle in Knoxville, one of the first people that called me um, that week when I got home, too, was a. Uh, uh, my good friend J.T. Lightning, may he rest in peace, but uh, he was always, you know, kind of a friend outside the business, if you will, one of, them, one of them people you really just take a liking to, and I wrote about J.T. in my book um, as well about this same time, but yeah, he was one of the first, one of the boys, you know, to, to graduate me, and I thought that was always pretty cool. I really appreciated that. So let's go to that Sunday in Knoxville, Tennessee, at Sunday Bloody Sunday, Uh in the first match, it was me against Brian Logan or Brian Keys. Real good hand, a good little worker out of Beckley, West Virginia. Uh, Tim Horner and the people at the school there had trained him and another boy named Anthony, and uh, they were, you know, they come along really good, you know, good hands. Excuse me there, and um, so I had the song in my head I was listening to. Um, just in different, you know, music on the way down to Knoxville and stuff. And it was a Tom Petty song. Little did I know that he was really tied in with Rick Rubens and all this, but he it's called I Won't Back Down. And I thought, oh, this would be a good song to come out to because of what's going to happen later on today. So I ran back out to the car, got my, my tape. It wasn't an eight track. It was a cassette, just so you know, smart asses. Um, anyway, I'm not <laughs> just fucking with you. Um... So uh, I went out in opening match, and people hadn't seen me, like I said, for about three months in Knoxville. I'd been wrestling some up around this area without a mask or with a mask on if it was a house show, and then as myself if I was in Tennessee but not on a Smoky Mountain show. But but the main core of fans hadn't seen me, especially on TV, for three months at that point. And I come out, and Brian Logan, and I think we were supposed to get about seven eight minutes, and I think we got like five minutes in. He put me you know, over in the middle of the ring uh, with the Northern Lights suplex one two three bam boom there you go 
So, um, as the matches go on, it's supposed to be Dirty White Boy and uh, Buddy Landell. And the winner of that match gets to wrestle Jerry the King Lawler for the title. And that was a setup for the deal. So, before that took place, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened, but uh, Buddy, or White Boy, was out there at the match earlier, and Buddy had um, goggled him uh, with the briefcase and swatted him upside the head, and White Boy got juice, boom, you know, and he's out, and Buddy's saying, you know, he's drunk, he can't wrestle, he can't perform, you know, and this and that. So, Lawler, I guess it's me and you, you know, uh, right away, and this and that. Well, Bullet Bob Armstrong, um, you know, he was commissioner at the time. That's not the way he saw it. He said the winner of the match was supposed to wrestle, you know, for the for the, the heavyweight title. And so, anyway, he said, I'm going to go in the back, and I'm going to find the very first wrestler I find. I don't care who it is. I'm going to go back here, and I'm going to pull him out, and he's going to wrestle Jerry the King Lawler. He's getting a title shot. And then... Whoever that is, then you can have a title shot that same day, Landell. Well, Landell raised all kinds of hell of stuff, of course, being Buddy, you know, being the heel that he is and stuff. Well, I come, I was the first person that uh, Bullet Bob saw behind the curtain there, and he come out, and he's, he's explaining it to me as we walk into the ring. And he's just like, Bobby, you know, and he's just telling me, you know, give me the office and that and this and that. And um, I'm acting like, you know, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I had one boot, you know, not all the way unlaced, but just untied and, you know, I can some tape off my wrist or something, you know, like I was getting ready to get undressed. Anyway, Bullet walks me to the ring and he says, uh, Bobby Blaze will be filling in on this match. And then you're going to last the announcers, you know, they all they all tell everyone what's going on, you know, that, uh, of course, Lawler, when I get in the ring, Lawler would shake my hand and I'm listening to Lawler. He's a ring general. You know that. So I just have to listen and go, man. And uh, he sees the photographer out there. You know, probably Jimmy Suzuki from the Japanese magazines or something. But anyway, Lawler puts his arm around me. He says, hey, you ever been next to a superstar, a real wrestler, and this and that? And he just browbeating me you know, over the house mic. And we got our picture taken together. And it, I usually don't wrestle curtain jerkers, but, you know, I guess you might be something special in these parts. I don't know who you are, Bobby Blaze, but whatever. And this, you know, does the Lawler stuff. He's the fucking king, you know. So we proceed to have the match, and it's just, uh, you know, it's definitely not a five-star match, but it's a star match in that it's a good match that is in the card. It, it's completed in card. If you watch it singly, you're like, ah, it's just a, it's an average match. But when you put it to the entire card and how it worked into the card, it's an above-average match. So, because he doesn't give me a whole lot there at the beginning. You know, and I get a fluke here and there. I give him a couple kicks or whatever. But anyway, at some point, um, you know, uh, Dirty White Boy and Landell come out there and they're trying to interfere with the match and uh, Landell jumps up to interfere and as he does, um, I shoot Jerry Lawler off and they bump heads and I roll back and I roll up Jerry the King Lawler, one, two, three, and uh, Mark Curtis raises my hand, you know, new Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Champion Bobby Blaze, you know. So that was really cool that Lawler, you know, I spoke to him in the back before the show, just introduced myself and pretty much just said, um, you know, he said, just listen to me out there. And he said, oh, yeah, he said, he'd see me clapping and trying to get the fans fired up uh, that first match. He said, don't worry about any of that. He said, because this is already a buildup from an angle. So, he, you know, he, he, he knows he's the man. He's ran territories and he's the king. So, like, okay. So I didn't get out there and go, let's do old Bobby. I'll let the fans do all that on their own. So as soon as that happened, I'm standing in the ring staggering. And, and, I, and I'm holding the belt up, and I just, you know, pretty much was getting beat up by 
by, by the king. Uh, Landell grabs the house mic and he goes, well, looks like it's me and you, Bobby. And he jumps right in and he starts trying to glom on me, you know, because I'm already down and beating and stuff. But anyway, uh, bottom line was um, uh, Dirty White Boy comes running out and he tries to interfere or some shit, I don't know. And I run Landell into him and I roll Landell up and beat Landell and remain the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Champion. So, you know, thanks to Lawler for, for the King of Tennessee putting me over there in Knoxville, Tennessee. The uh, I was at the gym later that week, and uh, uh, WLW Cincinnati's a big, powerful AM radio station back in the day, and they have a trivia question every day after 3 o'clock during sports and stuff. They let you call in or this and that. Someone come in and tell me that was a sports trivia question of the day. Uh, there was Jerry Lawler had gotten beat twice in the, in the same week and lost two major titles. Can anyone uh, call in and tell me who it was? And someone had called in, a wrestling fan, I guess, uh, had to be, and they said that, uh, yeah, he lost the uh, USWA title to Bill Dundee, and he lost the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight title to Bobby Blaze all in the same week. So uh, that, that got me a trivia question answer, too, you know. Uh, one of the biggest upsets of the year, and also, and I know Jeremy, he always puts over those rankings, and he thinks I don't like them, but I do like the PWI rankings. I mean, I, I used to love that magazine anyway, but um, I got to, you know, I had been ranked in it before, but that got me all the way up to 109th in the world ranking, and I thought that was great. You know, that's that's pretty damn high ranking. I thought that was cool and stuff. So um, anyway, that's my Lawler story. Um, I probably talked too fast through it, maybe too slow. Looks like I've been speaking about 35, 40 minutes now. I don't know. Um, again, listen. Uh, if you hear this on Tuesday, be thankful that Jeremy has, has edited it and, and gotten it up there. Um, so hopefully he's feeling better by then to do that. Um, if it's a day later too, you might understand why. Um, and if you're out there, you know, just be careful. Uh, wear your mask, wash your hands and social distance and do all those things you're supposed to do. I hope I carried this uh Promo, interview, uh, podcast, what do you want to call it? I hope I, I did enough uh, to give you at least a little bit of weekly entertainment. Um, I had a book here. had a bunch of Jerry Lawler insults in it. I'm not going to read any of those, just the ones he had from his, his book of insults on ugly people, fat people, and skinny people, and just people in general um, from, from another book. I thought if I run out of time, I read those. But um, anyway, um, listen, if you don't hear my voice between now and Christmas, um, and you hear it, you hear it now, maybe not before Christmas. I'm sorry. Merry Christmas to you. Um, happy new year to you. We've got, uh, several shows still lined up for this season. Um, I think we're going to go to, <laughs> we may do another journey to King Lawler. I don't know that, but I know we're scheduled to do, um, the next three shows are scheduled to be, um, JJ Dillon. You should know where that's heading at. That's going to be heading to, uh, to, uh, the Carolinas. And then their biggest star, of course, will be Ric Flair. So that'll be that should be our next three podcasts that we have lined up, unless something does change. Um, again, I hope you're liking this season the way we've done them. You know, we done uh, Gary Hart out in Texas, then we done Texas, and then we done uh, Gino Hernandez, then we done um, uh, Jimmy Hart, done Tennessee, and now we done Jerry the King Lawler. So uh, anyway, keep on tuning in to the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. Do me a favor. Follow me on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. 
Jeremy, send him a word of encouragement to keep getting better. He's at the Geekish Cast. And then also the joint account. Now, Jeremy runs the joint account, but I do read it and, 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 and log into that sometimes. And it's Bell to Bell Blaze podcast, or just Bell to Bell Blaze, rather, on Twitter. I think Jeremy has a YouTube, uh, not YouTube, what's that called? Facebook group that's uh, Bell to Bell Blaze, too. So so join that as well. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. And um, I'm sticking to Twitter for right now. I'm not saying all that's forever. It's just the way I, I choose to do things. I like Twitter quite a bit. Again, I'm at Bob. Blaze 744 and um, just take care of yourselves out there be kind to yourselves and um, it doesn't take anything to be nice to others but you know what maybe sometimes it's also just be nice to yourself not be so harsh on yourself and um, and and just uh, do that for, for yourself man just take care of yourself so with that said um, for the late Tex Johnson the on the mend hopefully um Jeremy Vilmer, hope he gets better. I'm Bobby Blaze. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for tuning in, wrestling fans.